So, we are going to continue on this morning in the book of Galatians. Galatians, yes. And again, it was a letter written by Paul, and it was written to not a church, but a group of churches in that area, and I've said here eventually, a county covering several towns. There we go. I knew I'd get it out there eventually, right? There's several different places, and Paul, on his missionary journey, as he went there, established many of these churches. So he had a relationship with them. He knew them. He knew the message that he preached to them, yet he writes this letter because they're coming under attack, right? They're, they're, they're coming, there's other teachers coming along, and they're discrediting the message, right? They're, they're adding to the gospel, we spent some time talking about that, that if you take anything away from the gospel or if you add anything to it, it's no gospel at all. You also, if you've been with us, remember we, we kind of jumped because along the same time, and we're not exactly sure uh, the letter and what took place at the Jerusalem Council, right? The, the Jews were trying to require the Gentiles to get circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul rebukes that. They have this whole council go on, and, and out of that comes, hey, Gentiles, you do not have to do that. That's not a requirement for salvation. Yet, if you would, for the sake of the Jews, not eat from animals that have been sacrificed or strangled, right? A, a compromise was made. But Paul's very adamant about that. And again, these churches are being infiltrated. There are people coming in, probably well-intended, but they're trying to convert them back to Judaism, not to what we would call Christianity. Right? They, there's that tendency to want to go back. And Paul is going to continue that here in chapter 3. We're going to see how he continues that. And because it goes beyond just the circumcision, it goes back to the law as well, trying to get them to go back to the law. And again, that is still evident today. There are churches today that are trying to go back to the law. Now, when I started out this week, I thought, oh, I'll do all 29 verses. I had great expectations. I said, oh, I, could, I can do this. And then as I got studying more and more, I said, well, wait a minute. That's a lot to chew on. And so I said, oh, I'll do 18 verses. I said, I, I can do 18 verses. And I probably could have got through 18 verses this morning. But within the last couple of days, I said, you know what? 14 is a good place to stop. And so we're going to do up to verse 14, but you'll see the message through this as Paul is trying to correct a wrong that's going on in the church. And uh, I just have a quick question for you this morning. You know, I don't do rhetorical. Paul does rhetorical questions, but I don't do them very well. How many of you this morning on your drive-in went five miles an hour over the speed limit? Wow, a lot of honest people here this morning. Is that breaking the law? Yes. Yes. So how about, all right. How about, all right, put your hands back up. How many went three miles over the speed limit? Yeah. How about one mile over the speed limit, right? Is five, three, or one, are they all the same? Yeah. You all broke the law this morning. You guys need some confession time, and I would be right there with you if we were under the law, right? You were 10. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just, yeah, you totally blew it. Uh, did you have a stop and, and say hi to the police officer for me or no? No, right? If you do get pulled over, though, what are you looking for? Grace, right? 
Yeah, oh, officer, I'm so sorry. I, yeah, right? I, you know, I, I had an important meeting to go to, or, uh, you know, I, I'm late to church, yeah. <laughs> that excuse will not work, by the way. Even if you're the pastor, it doesn't work. I've tried it. So. And I, thank you for the ticket, yeah. yeah. Have a blessed day. How can I pray for you? Yeah, it's, it's too late at that point, but you can try it. But that's uh, almost the silliness of the law, right? It, it's hard to keep the law. And you all couldn't even do it this morning. And guess what? Even in my Ford truck, don't go there, Brandon, um, I was over this speed limit this morning several times. I kept looking down as I'm going down clear water and going to pick up David. I was doing 40 and a 30. So I, I had 10 over as well, if we're going to do that together. And, um, but again, it's law. And so we break it. And again, we say, all right, well, that's just a speeding law. And yeah, they, the, the officers give you a little bit of grace and usually can go. But if we want to be critical, right, we pick on the law. And well, that's what was happening to the church, right? These people were coming in and, and they were using the, the law to try to get them to go back to the old ways, back to Judaism. If we could be honest, if we have the law, what do we usually do with it? Do we apply it to ourselves or do we want to apply it to somebody else, right? Somebody else. Oh, it's always great to apply it to somebody else, right? We, we see that really, really evident. And we're going to get to that. The, the, the sliver and the log in the eye kind of follows that same train. But if we started picking through all the laws, especially the laws back then, we could apply it to probably a lot of us here this morning and we would all be lawbreakers besides the speeding thing, Right? If we had blended threads in our shirts and our clothes, or if we had bacon this morning, or um, you pick it, there's a lot of things that you can find in the law. Remember, the law at Jesus' time was well over 600. Pretty easy to, to, to break. And what were the Pharisees trying to do in Jesus' ministry? Control, but also trying to trip him up, right? Try to discredit him. Hey, look, he's the Messiah, but no, he's not. He's a sinner just like the rest of you. He was always trying to entrap. And that's what the law does. It, it traps us, right? It boxes us in and, and we lose our freedom. And so Paul is fighting adamantly against this. It's not the law that saves us. And we'll see that argument continue here. And so we'll jump into chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has beswitched you or who's fooled you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Again, we, we kind of laugh, right? If I came in this morning and said, hey, you foolish point-way people this morning, you would laugh and chuckle and think I was just making a joke, right? Paul here is actually rebuking them. He's, he's kind of calling them to the carpet. He says, you should know better, right? This is kind of like a, a motherly scolding here in a way, or a fatherly scolding here where, hey, you should know better than this, right? And that sets the tone for his next conversation with them, and, and he's saying, hey, what happened? How did you end up in the place that you ended up? How can you believe this? Again, this is so far off base what Paul taught that he's calling them out on it. In fact, he even says to them, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed as crucified. And you kind of see in that first sentence, that's the, the crux of this, right? If, if we're going to say we're going to go back to the law, 
then Christ died for nothing. There was no reason for him to die on the cross. And of course, without that, there's no gospel, right? There's no salvation. We know that. But that's what they were saying. They were discrediting Jesus being crucified for their sins. So you can see how important this really is to the, the early church, especially. It would be important to us today, right? If we, we take that part out of the gospel, there's no gospel. There's no salvation. And so Paul is really serious here. It's, it's not that he's making a joke and, and he's having fun with him, but he's really saying, hey, what happened? You know better. Verse 2, he says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? That, that Holy Spirit, that gift that we get given after salvation is an insurance policy. It's that, that faith that's within us, that guarantees that we've been saved, right? The law never gave that, right? The law is just a, a cycle, and, and we try to follow, and we fail. We go and ask for forgiveness. It, it, it's a never-ending cycle. But our salvation, that guarantee is that Holy Spirit, that gift that we have. Many people say one of the things in the church that we forget the most of, right? We talk about God, we talk about Jesus a lot, but we leave out the importance of the Holy Spirit, right? Paul here brings that to light. And really, the Holy Spirit's going to be the, the theme here for a while because the law does not help with that. The Holy Spirit does. In fact, it's even interesting that the law, when Jesus was doing his teaching, right? If you remember, a lot of times his teaching went beyond the law. Even if a man looks at another woman, it's though he's already committed adultery, right? If you get angry at a person, it's as though you've murdered them. That's way beyond the law. That goes, you know, to our thought life. That goes to our heart condition. And, and who can stand up under that, right? Who could even possibly follow the law if we go that way, right? It's not the law, but the Spirit, and so Paul says, it's just one thing, right? And so I would beg you, to, if it's nothing else, it's one thing this morning. We are saved through faith, right? And that's grace, and that's the, the spirit in us that helps us live out that. Goes on with his argument here. Again, he wants to drive this point home. He says in verse 3, are you so foolish after beginning, be, yeah, beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Right? Trying to do it in your own power. Right? That gift, and again, we probably should talk about it more, that Holy Spirit gift that we have is what enables us not to continually be in that sin, continually be breaking the law. Right? We can't do it by ourselves. You can try. Many have doesn't work, right? We don't go very far without committing the next sin. In fact, I dare say, and all of us drivers, we, we probably won't even keep the speed limit on the way home. Some of you may say, all right, well, Pastor Charlie said that, you know, we need to keep. But if it's not that, it may be something else. Maybe this morning there's someone you got angry with this past week, right? Now, you didn't take the knife or the gun out, but again, Jesus says it's as though you killed them. You may have thought it, but hopefully not. Hopefully it wasn't me this week, but you know it could be. But it's true, right? 
we need the Spirit to help us in order to live a godly life. And that, that's part of that, right? Because we can't do it on ourselves. We can't rely upon our own strength. We need help. Verse 4, have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Right? Again, it goes back to that, that spirit at work. Right? And they were seeing miracles, they were th- seeing things that were done, not by the law, but by the spirit. Now, I will say, again, as much as we're going to look at those that try to live the law and go back that way, there's a, another group that goes too far the other way, and they're always chasing after miracles, and everything comes feeling and emotion, and, and they're always chasing those spiritual highs. I think it's, again, one of those things that there's a healthy tension in the, the believer's life. You get too far in any of those ditches, you're off track. So I, I, I put that there with a caution, but... Paul is saying the evidence of the Spirit is some of the things that are happening among them, among the believers. Again, that didn't happen with the law. It wasn't part of it. The law doesn't do that. Then he makes a really interesting case here. Verse 6, he goes, So also Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Paul could have picked anybody Right? He has all the, the scriptures in the Old Testament. He has all the prophets. He has all the, those way before him. And he has those scriptures available to him. Right? The Old Testament's there. The Proverbs and the Psalms and everything else. Yet he picks Abraham. Any idea why he would pick Abraham? Father, right? Father of the Jewish nation, right? That's a, the, the, he's the, the top dog. He's the one that's revered. Abraham. All right, so help me out here. Maybe a little bit of Sunday school history. All right, so we have Abraham, and the law came with Moses. Were those at the same time, or were they... No, right? Abraham was first. Abraham is accredited righteousness and walking by faith. If you go through chapter 11 in Hebrews, the one that I used this morning, Abraham has many faith steps that he took. Abraham's the example, yet it's not after the law, but before the law. Paul chooses very carefully Abraham, right? And the, the, the Jewish believers are the ones that really want to go back, and they use Abraham. It's Abraham's faith that's a credit to him righteous, not by the way that he kept the law. It's a great example. Thousands of years before it comes. Abraham is history before Moses comes, actually. Thousands of years before it comes. Abraham is long peace dead and passed away before Moses comes. And so there's that peace, but it's credited to him righteousness because of his faith. Perfect person to use, really. Paul knows this. Verse 7, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. If you haven't read in the Old Testament in a while, you haven't gone back to Genesis, it'd be a good study to go back and look at the, the Abrahamic covenant, right? The, the covenant that God made with Abraham. And it says, I am going to bless all the nations through you, right? 
The Jews are God's chosen people, but they were to be the, the light. They were to be the, the drawing card to God. They, it wasn't meant exclusively for the Jews. Right from the beginning, God had a plan for Gentiles as well. That's what Paul's saying here. This is not a new thing I'm teaching, really. It's, it's been right along. Yet it became this divider, right? The Jews and the Gentiles were totally separate. Again, going back to Judaism, the Gentiles weren't even allowed to come to worship. They were separate, allowed to worship in the same area. Neither were women, right? They were all separated. Only the Jewish men were allowed to, to go to a certain point, not even all the way, right? Only the priest would go in, and he would only go in once a year to the Holy of Holies, that great divide. Pull that back out to today and look at the freedom that we have today, right? We have the access, a direct relationship with Christ. There's no intermarry. We don't have to go to someone else to, to talk to God. We can go straight through Jesus Christ. We have that because of what he did and who he is. It's a big difference. It's a huge difference. I often chuckle when people say, well, I wish I was born in another time or another era. Really? I'm not so sure. God picked the time and place that we were born and that where we live and even chooses the places that we live. And each of them have a blessing in them, but we were born specifically for this time period. And when I look back at the Old Testament and the law and all those things, I'm like, ooh, praise God, I'm glad to be here, right? Even in Paul's day, right? They're under persecution. They're just struggling to, to come to grips with their new faith and what's going on. I'll take here. I mean, Rome doesn't look so great, right? The Romans were not the, the nicest people to be under. I'm pretty thankful that I'm born when I was born. So longing for those old days sometimes I think is kind of a, I think we're, we're kind of misguided when we do that. So again, God used Abraham and wanted to use the Jews to draw the Gentiles. But again, it got twisted, became a barrier. And that's what Paul's saying. I don't want the barrier anymore. I, I, don't go back to it. I don't want this separation between Jews and Gentiles. In fact, he does away with it, right? There's no longer that barrier in Christ. We can go directly. We have that blessing. So verse 9 says, So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I told you early on, right? We looked at Hebrews 11.1, right? How important faith is. And again, faith is one of those things that's hard to hold on to. It's hard to describe. And I mentioned even like, like wind, right? We see the effects of it, but we really can't, it doesn't have a start, it doesn't have an end, right? We, wind is one of those kind of funny things. I was out on the boat this week. I know you'll find that surprising. And I was fishing, and it was sunny, and, and you know, there was a nice breeze, and I was casting along and catching a few fish and thought I was doing pretty good, and I was on the north end of the lake, and all of a sudden pops up this wet cloud. Um, I got soaked. <laughs> and the wind came up, and, and all of a sudden there's white caps on the lake, and, and I actually had a little bit of a struggle to get back down to the, the dock. And by the time I got to the dock, it stopped raining, and if you know me, fish on. Let's keep on fishing this. I'm, I'm already wet, and I might as well dry off out on the boat as I in the house. And so I fished for another hour or so. PJ thought I was nuts. Jared and Heather were wise enough not to come out with me. But, um, but again, I didn't see it starting. It wasn't in the forecast. I mean, and 
actually from Round Lake, if you know where I live, in Ojibwe Road, they got barely any rain in our yard. And like I said, I got soaked. <laughs> um, not even a mile away. A couple times this week, Nisswa had that same problem. I would look and see a storm go through Nisswa, and we were, we were nice and dry uh, where we were. Evidently, we must have been dry in Baxter because I got a note this morning, I need to water the flowers out front before I leave today. So that's part of it. But faith is the same way, right? We can't really see it. We can't really, like, it's not a, a, a possession that we have that we can say, hey, here's my faith and, and quantify it. But as we go through life, our faith should be evident, right? We should see the effects of it, right? We may even feel it, right? Or it helps us get through a certain difficult time. How we respond to things, right, matters. How we respond in the situation. That's our faith in action, right? Our faith should move us, right? It should move us to, to do things. Right? Heidi, you're called today for those who go on in vision, right? If your faith moves you, she said, pray and ask God, and the Holy Spirit moves you, then you should go, right? You should go on that envision trip. Take the time, it'll be well worth it. You remember Jared's message last week, right? He talked about the cost of disobedience. So you have that probably still in the back of your mind a little bit, right? It will cost you something if you don't. But that's faith, faith and works. And how do you even say You have to be flexible, right? Because things may change, right? Rick's a good guy. He's from the East Coast, so he has something going for him. But even he has things that change on him. He's not from New England, though. He's from the East Coast. There's a difference. Uh, if you want, check with me. But things change, right? Especially when you're doing open air, especially when you're out in these situations, you don't know what's going to exactly happen. Or you may think of one thing, like, I'm going to go do this project, and all of a sudden, it changes. No, hey, I really need you to do this over here. Is that all right? And that's part of going on a mission trip. And I've been on those, and sometimes it's humbling, but it's an opportunity to do this. Right? If this is what God wants me to do, and I'm truly a servant, then I need to do this. And so Abraham here is credited the faith, but says we all have that same ability, right? We have that same ability to rely upon our faith, to guide us, to direct us, and to be part of our lives. The contrast in verse 10 says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And as we proved this morning, even the simple law of keeping the speed limit, we fail pretty quickly right? Among other things, right? It's hard. Again, it's not the goal. We, we, we don't go out saying, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to commit this sin today, right? We, we don't tend to, to start our day off that way, but throughout our day, it happens, right? We make those choices or we make the wrong choices. We're not listening to the Spirit. And again, sin leads to death. It leads to consequences. And again, if the speeding one applies, right, you eventually, if you keep speeding, you will find a police officer at some point in time, and you may have to thank him for your ticket, if, <laughs> right, and try not to get angry at him, which that's another challenge in the moment, right? 
So again, you're under a curse, right? It's, you're under restrictions. And that's when Paul says we have that freedom in Christ, right? We have that, that grace and that freedom. If we just listen to the Spirit, and we'll look more into that, chapter 5 and chapter 6 get into that a lot, right? Those, those fruit of the Spirit that are coming and how to live. Paul does a great job in Galatians. He lays the foundations and the important things, and then how do we put that into practice? So that's yet to come. So you need to keep coming for the next month or so, and we'll get into chapter 5 and chapter 6. But again, how does that look in our daily lives? But under the law, we're restricted. And some people say, well, if I just stay at home and I don't do anything, then I won't sin. No, actually, you can still sin and stay at home doing nothing because that's not what God's called you to do either. There may be a time or a period, but not long term. Again, that's listening to that spirit. What does God want me to do today? Verse 11 says, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, contrary means the opposite, right? The, the person who does these things will live by them, right? Again, living by faith, you don't have to worry about the law. Listening to God, God God's not going to lead you into sin lead you away from it, but he's not going to lead you into it. And so living by faith is contrary to that, right? You don't have to, to focus on the law. It's not a matter of do's and don'ts. It's a matter of what does God want me to do in the moment. So it's back to the center point here, right? Christ, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole or a tree. Put on your translation, right? The cross took care of that for us, right? We're no longer under that. Everything changed with Jesus. That's the, the great turnover, right? That's the, the great shift, which we now live in and we live under, right? The, that Christ did that on the cross for us. We don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. We don't have to go to the temple. That's no longer for us, right? We don't have to become a Jew. All that's been done away with, right? We live through Jesus Christ. The, he took on him the penalty for our sins. So Paul gets back to that very key and crucial point. As I said, verse 14, and we'll wrap up this morning. Verse 14 says, he, Christ, redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Like I said, I, kind of as I, more I study it, it's like 14 really kind of wraps it up nice. Everything that he set up to this point kind of comes full circle and with this verse, right? Abraham was to be that, that conduit, that pointing the way to Jesus, right? Pointing the way to salvation, pointing the way to God, not the law. Not Moses, not the law, not what was given in the Ten Commandments, but through faith. And that's Gentiles can really appreciate this, right? That it's through Jesus Christ. Paul does away with it. Neither Jew nor Gentile. Syrian, male or female. We all come to Christ equally through Jesus Christ. And if that wasn't enough, through our faith, we are given the Holy Spirit. We're given that help that we need to 
to live it out. So I have just one really simple challenge. I'm not going to tell you you have to go home today and keep under the speed limit. I'm not going to put that on you. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, let your wife drive so she can speed so you don't have to worry about today. Sometimes that wouldn't work either. Um, I know some of you ladies. I see you as you pass me by and I can't keep But this, <laughs> I wouldn't put that on you. But the simple request is, is how much are you drawn upon the Holy Spirit? How much are you drawn upon the Holy Spirit? Again, we think of Jesus and God regularly, and certainly that's not wrong, but how much are you relying upon the Holy Spirit? Right? And I would love to say, well, I think about the Holy Spirit each day, right? And even if I could say that each day I think of the Holy Spirit, that's not enough, at least not for me. I really need the Holy Spirit like moment by moment, conversation to conversation, interaction by interaction, right? And in a moment, I can sin. And I know that about me, and yet I still don't rely upon the Holy Spirit to guide me. Or the Holy Spirit tells me to do something, or even text this person, or call that person, and I come up with some lame excuse not to, right? It's disobedience. It's a sin. So my challenge is, focus on the Holy Spirit this week. Try to, try to wake up each day and start your day off with thanking God for that gift that you've been given as a believer and use it to rely upon for this week. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for where you've placed us now. We Thank you for this time in history, Lord, and the opportunities that you give us. And Lord, we also recognize that we are in need of you, that we need the Holy Spirit not only daily, but moment by moment. Lord, help us to hear that still, small voice inside of us, Lord, that we make and do the things that you've called us to do. Nothing more and nothing less. Lord, also, may we be good students and that we not be fooled into thinking that we can do it in our own strength or by a new set of rules or changing the way we do things just for the sake of changing. That, Lord, that we'd hear your voice and that we'd obey only you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.